Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in and thank you for being so patient. We're still getting the hang of this go live business. We've used to do pre-recorded content and now we have it live. So that's fantastic, but it also has a learning curve. <laughs> Z, how are you doing today? I'm doing okay, actually. It's, I've been, I have this new body post-cancer mm. and so I'm like the energizer bunny. I go all day, every day. She's not kidding. I'm actually having trouble keeping up with her. Ooh, it's, and I have it's a lot great. of energy myself. I forgot how, how young and spry I was. I'm seriously going to have to take supplements or something, fellas. <laughs> Help me out here. Send me emails. <laughs> well, we've got a heck of a show for you guys today. It is season two, episode two. Title is going to be Putting Women in Their Place because clickbait titles draw a lot of followers and also because it has something truthful and important in its messaging. Right. I, uh, I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm fairly uncomfortable right now because I literally took a bird bath in the parking lot before I got here. This... This all happened in the space of about 30 seconds in a panic because I came from my job where I do top coating on concrete, which is messy, filthy, and chemical-ridden. And I came in here looking like a statue that had gotten bird poop all over it. So I had to take a bunch of stuff from, like, Walgreens, pour it all over myself, and literally take hot bottles of water I bought and dump them on my head and shake myself out with a towel and present myself to you. Must be nice to be a boy, though. Uh, I'd rather, I'd rather have a that. shower. A girl couldn't do that. <laughs> a girl could do that because they couldn't smell your stink through the camera. A girl, but a girl couldn't come out looking refreshed. I guess that's true. You look, you look good. Well, thank you, baby. You're welcome. <laughs> she's see, this is love. This is love right here. <laughs> After all that, she heard all that. She's like, you still look good. And because of chemo, I can't smell anyway. <laughs> Advantage, gentlemen. Ooh. Let's discuss. <laughs> Hit me up in the comment section. <laughs> So um, obviously we've got a lot going on and we want to make sure that all of you happy people understand that the show is planned out and that we're not just over here freewheeling. <laughs> Did you see that uh, Trump is suing all the big alphabet companies? Do it. Facebook, Google, it. so forth and so on. Now this is something that's interesting to me because when Trump got pulled off of social media, I, I, I had this kind of stunned sitting there looking at the phone at the end of my bed for like 90 seconds just thinking like the world was ending. And it's not because I'm a huge maggot or, you know, like a massive Trump guy. I was a fan. But my thing was is that no matter how controversial a president is or how unpopular he is with any particular voting base or any side of the country, you just don't do that. The idea that you could pull somebody off of the public forum that everybody uses and just block them out completely, it, it just, to me, it just solidified again for the thousandth time that we're up against some seriously evil folks who really don't mind tyranny. They really don't mind abuse of power. And so for me, it was just another rallying cry. But I think they were excited to do it. I oh. mean, this is something they've been wanting to do for four years, mm. probably five years, including when they when he was uh, campaigning. And I think that they don't only mind tyranny, that they actually like it. Because let's, let's face it, all these Twitter guys, all these Facebook guys, and all the rest of these tech companies are just a bunch of people that used to get beat up in high school. And they are so excited to finally get the guy who got all the girls, the hot girls like Trump, that had all the money and the cool cars. Him and his stupid toupee and his yes. billions of dollars. They're like, they're taking all of their frustration from their youth and dumping it on Trump and every other conservative and every right-leaning person on online. 
That's my theory. You know, in a lot of ways they are. We've seen the studies throughout the years, and if you haven't seen the studies, you should look them up because they're real. It's hilarious. Apparently, uh, right-wingers tend to be more attractive. They also tend to be happier. They tend to lead happier sex lives, and a lot of them because they're married, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, and in committed relationships. I mean, it's like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if you just took politics completely out of the picture and you just measured happiness, it's almost like the right wing is the place to be. Go figure. Because <laughs> we're not ruling. We're not the elites ruling out of our insecurities like a 15-year-old child. Yeah, and that it, we're not trying to control the uncontrollable, right? Mm-hmm. One of the things I loved about like Thomas Sowell, and if you haven't looked up Thomas Sowell, he's a black economist, extremely famous, probably one of the smartest men on the planet. And it is going to break my heart when that man finally passes away. Um, he was a communist um, I believe from Harlem, mm-hmm. you know, when he was a kid. And, you know, he saw the disadvantaged youth thing. He bought the liberal agenda. He got involved with communism. He got involved with the Department of Labor as a way to sort of spread his beliefs and get involved in his own communities and to help disadvantaged folks. And he said all it took was working for six months with the Department of Labor to realize that they ain't the answer mm-hmm. and that communism was a joke. And the guy went so hard in the other direction that now nobody will peer review him and everybody tries to black hole all of his messaging even though the guy's published like a gazillion books and right. they're works of art. So if you haven't looked up Thomas Sowell, do so now because the guy will change your views on all kinds of important topics. But the reason I bring him up is because, again, it's just another example of like... Big, big right tech. is right, is right, baby. Right, right is right, wrong is wrong. <laughs> that that didn't work out as well as I hoped. <laughs> well, we have a fantastic well, show planned for you guys. Obviously, um, anytime Z is here, it's a great day for me. Uh-huh. But you are the ones who are here because you need entertainment and information. So we have the wonderful Neil Logan on the show. It's our first guest in our second episode. Uh, Z managed to make this happen, so I'm very proud of her. And uh, apparently our internet clout is expanding like a black hole. (laughs) And so people actually think that we're worth listening to and tuning in with. Um, So we are going to announce her shortly, but we have a few segments, a few things happening before she gets on the show. And uh, Z and her are going to have some interesting discussion as well as our closing segment. I actually ruined it and brought her on early. I apologize. I'm sorry. So much for my show map. I'm, I'm so out of here. <laughs> he worked so hard on show maps and then I ruined there it. You're seven so minutes. Sorry. You already screwed up I'm my so plans. Sorry. I'm so sorry. Look, can it's I? All right, I'll just sit here and drink. I'm sorry. Do your own show. <laughs> so I'm just going to introduce Nia. Now, I met Nia pretty much virtually is, is yeah. the only way I've met her. But her posts are really interesting and her take on what womanhood is is very interesting so neil long logan i always say long what do i say that? chemo brain <laughs> neil, neil logan is a true southern belle and an auntie at heart and i've got six aunties so i know what that feels like a corporate ride for 15 years she put her career aside to embrace the art of homemaking while mentoring young adults on the value of femininity and goodwill she makes a mean pineapple upside down cake which i want to taste one day and insists there's only one correct way to make coffee i hope that's french press oh i want to hear what that is (laughs) but beyond household matters she shares freshly brewed tea about modern women's social issues on her blog neologan.com with a mission to introduce young ladies to the virtues of womanhood nia thank you so much for joining us we appreciate it Thank you so much for having me. And I'm going to, okay, I'm going to be the snob and just 
correct my name. My name is actually pronounced Nay. Um, I shortened my name some years ago, and uh, my full name is Tanae, but I shortened it shortly after getting married, so it's just kind of become a whole rebranding type of thing. It's no worries. I mean, you know, that's literally what everyone calls me, so it's No, it's fine. I'm, no I'm, I'm fired. You're fi- no, you're not. I'm you're not fired. You're not fired. <laughs> I, just, fired. I just Zinga Johnson your name. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I get, you know, it's funny when I changed my name, as the people started calling me like Nia Long, like the actress Nia, Nia Long. And oh, like, yeah. you know what? I can see that. You know, you so. Me Nia Long, and I don't know why. Well, you know, no. I, I, honest, honestly, though, it, the way it's spelled, if we didn't know that backstory about you changing it and shorthanding it, I think anybody would naturally make that mistake. Is that oh, fair? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's normal, you know. No hey, excuses. And you know no excuses. It's not like we can Google a pronunciation <laughs> guide for unique names, but well, now, thank you so well, much now, for correcting us. Well, now, we now, now Facebook does have this thing where you can actually put the pronunciation of your name in your profile, which is ridiculous. Right there with pronouns and all that other stuff. Yeah, I was going to say, please. I get called, because my name has an N in front of it. I get, I've been called Ninja. <laughs> I just go with it. I'm like, whatever. I don't care. Like, on this, sure, because there's some, you want people to check you out and look at your right. content. That makes yeah. sense. But in person, if they're like, hey there, Ninja, I'm like, how are ninja. you doing, Sally? <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. Right. So, <laughs> you know, this is a great opportunity, obviously. Um, not all of our audience is going to be aware of who you are and if they yeah. are only cursory familiar. So please go ahead and uh, take this opportunity to announce yourself and to tell us a little bit about your bona fides, what you're into, what you're up to right now, and just so they can get a sense of who you are, Miss Logan, Mrs. Logan. Well. <laughs> Well, thank you. So, you know, I like to describe myself as a, you know, corporate dropout. Um, I was that young lady who, you know, wanted to do well in school, wanted to, you know, get all the straight A's, get all the, you know, good grades and get on everybody's good side or whatnot. Um, And then, you know, went to college. I felt like I did all of the right things. And um, for the most part, you know, that has afforded me a, a good lifestyle, you know, and it got me out of a lot of, you know, trouble or kept me away from trouble rather. You know, I was able to, you know, land a job immediately after college, get internships. I was that, um, I guess you call them a boss babe where, you know, I could, you know, get any opportunity, do anything I wanted to do. You know, I had the money, I had the corporate job, I had the brand new car, I had all of those things. And um, at some point it was just not enough for me to where I was just like, you know what, you know, this is boring. I mean, what else is there to life than making money and having a nice car and having clothes and doing all these great things and going to all these meetings? And that it was just, fabulous, it was just a, honestly, I, I haven't uh, tried that yet. Well, <laughs> you know, and you know, for the most part, you know, it sounded like it was fabulous. It looked fabulous on the outside, but it didn't feel good on the inside. I just had a bath you know? in the parking lot, okay? I work in manual labor, so all this sounds fantastic. I'm not sure yeah. what you're whining about over well, here. Yeah, I'm whining, you know, microaggressions, right? Microaggressions. I feel aggressed. <laughs> so, so, you know, that was, that was my life up until the point where I was just like, you know what, I got really depressed. You know, I was living by myself in a completely different city. I was away from family. You know, I wasn't dating anyone. In fact, I hadn't dated anybody since college, you know. So it was like this huge gap of just me, 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 me doing what I wanted to do. And there was nothing fruitful of it except money. And that was like, okay, you know what? This is not working. So I I just got into this rut where I was just really depressed. You know, I wasn't really taking well, you know, care of myself. I gained a lot of weight. I just had just, 
you know, just nothing felt great. Nothing was satisfying to me. And so, you know, I checked into therapy, decided, you know what, I'm going to fix my life. And I'm going to start by asking myself, you know, well, telling myself that I need help, you know, instead of saying that I got it, you know, like, you know, a lot of these boss babes like to say, you know, I didn't have it. And I had to admit that. And so went to therapy, you know, got out of my head, got out of thinking, oh, I have a degree and I have all of these accolades, you know, I should know better. I got out of that thinking and decided, you know what, I'm going to surrender myself, you know, and really admit that I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what life is like for me. I don't know what the future holds, you know, and maybe maybe I have to actually admit that I didn't want to be this corporate babe anymore. Maybe I wanted to actually have a family. So I started contemplating what family was like and what living with a husband was like and really just contemplating, you know, like how can I feel better? And so I started volunteering more. I started, you know, giving back more. I started being more involved in my community, um, being more involved in public efforts to include the conservative movement, I guess. And um, that led me to my husband um, today. So that's just where I am right now, where I just support his efforts and um, also share my story with other women who are feeling like, okay, I have everything and it's not enough. Maybe this isn't really what I want to do. So, you know, that's interesting is, um, you know, Jordan Peterson um, talks a lot about how he would have many of these clients who are very powerful women who had Mm -hmm. achieved high levels of success early on in their life due to uh, hyper productivity. And once they reach a certain age, they almost always inevitably face the same crisis that you're describing. Mm -hmm is that that lack of family, that lack of children, and it was this massive hole that sort of took the joy out of all the other things that they had accomplished. And um, and it was so prevalent that he said that, you know, you could basically predict it by a certain age. Now, obviously, I'm not going to ask you your age, but do you feel like that this was something that happened as a result of you reaching a certain point in life? Or was this something that hit you in your 20s, early 30s? This is my, um, I would say mid to late 20s was when when I reached it. And I feel like that's the, that age group for a lot of women. You know, that actually is the typical age when women actually start seeking therapy or assistance, you know, with mental health. So that is like, you know, I think it's like right now it's like one in four women at that age group in their late 20s have, you know, had dealt with depression or some sort of behavioral, behavioral, behavioral health issue. And so um, I was right smack dab in that category. Do you remember ever being taught when you were maybe in high school or early in college that you needed to take that corporate um, uh, journey in life? Or was it kind of like innate um, because you were ambitious? I guess I'm asking if it was taught to you or not. Well, you know, watching my mother work corporate America all her life and, you know, seeing my sister do the same, you felt like it was like your rite of passage. This is what you have to do. You know, this is what a strong woman was supposed to do, a strong, responsible woman who wasn't going to be needy or depend on anybody. You know, we were prepared for, you know, a future where it's like, you know, maybe men aren't going to be, you know, able to carry you. And so you have to carry yourself. And so we're taught that dismal reality early. Well, it's not really even a reality. It's kind of a misconception. It really is a misconception where we're taught that men are going to fail you from an early age. And so it's like, you know, it's, it's already against men. As soon as women are starting to go into the workforce, we're already thinking, you know, we're already in the mindset of that lack of trust for men. 
So, you know, and I carried that because, you know, I, you know, grew up in a single parent household, uh -huh, um, okay. older sister taking care of us as well. And everybody worked in like corporate side jobs. You know, I, f I find it interesting because uh, Z has been very open about the fact that she has come from a single parent household as well, where dad was absent and how, you know, a lot of the things that she tends to espouse and the, and the ideas that she talks about on the show tend to revolve around that reality and how she's overcome it. Mm -hmm. um, do you feel like if you had chosen the path instead of going corporate, instead of taking the strong independent woman route, if you had simply gotten married to someone you loved who was able to support you, do you think your family would have looked down on you for making that decision? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, absolutely. Like my mom, um, I remember having these, uh, this, this existential, existential crisis and talking with my mom about it. And, um, I remember her say, I remember saying, you know, at some point I want to be a housewife, you know, at some point, you know, I just, maybe I'm going to have to let this go. And for the sake of my kids and things, kids have always been in the back of my mind. So always been thinking about, you know, how I want to raise kids, whether they're going to be homeschooled or whatever. So we had that conversation, my mom and I, and she made the comment, um, oh, as soon as you become a housewife, you're going to become big as a house. You're going to gain a whole lot of weight. You're going to, it was just like, it was all these downers, you know, then it was like, you know, you're going to, she really didn't say that. But um, also, you know, it was like, she, she also warned that I would lose a lot of my skills that um, I would become behind so that if I ever needed to go back to corporate America, as if corporate America was like a husband or something like that, um, if I ever needed to come back to corporate America, that I would be behind or I would be not um, on top of things and I would be, you know, just not able to pick back up from where I left off. So, you know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're married now and you are at best a studio apartment, so you're doing okay. Um, <laughs> So I, I think what you just said is a good segue. Um, I sent you a, um, a link to this video that I ran across by this uh, YouTuber named Good Patriot. And she was preaching to me. I was like, girl, go and get it. Now, she didn't do it in that, like, southern, like, black way that I want. She did it in the white wash. Yeah, she didn't have that, you know, that preacher growl that I wanted her to right. have. But it was, right. like, it was still so true. And so I, I cut the video up. Um, and I want to share it and then just kind of place. First of all, get the wow. see what the audience thinks. But I also want to get your point of view on some of these clips that I have. And then obviously we'll we'll allow uh, Scott to chime in. Okay. <laughs> You'll allow it. Yes. <laughs> so here's the uh, first clip. It's not the soy milk making men weak. It's strong women not knowing their place. Wow. So that's literally the first clip. So you being, uh, you're, you're strong, so you're not like a past strong woman. You being a strong woman, what do you think about what she just said? Well, you know, I feel like we lack trust and trust is a very powerful motivator, you know, for families, for men, men, you know, pretty much, I mean, I'm not gonna speak for all men, but I mean, you know, a lot of men do crave that trust that, you know, he can, he can do it. He can carry the household. He can get the job done. You know, you don't have to ask him 80 million times to go, you know, cut the grass or whatever it is that he needs to be doing or whatever it is he says he wants to do, you know, that it'll get done that you can relax and chill. You know, I feel like a lot of us and me, myself included, you know, having been this way, you know, we, we become too stressed about it. You know, we become anxious because we, you know, consume ourselves with a lot of doubt. 
You know, we become consumed of doubt, you know, and we're like, you know, we're always casting that doubt on our spouse or significant other saying things like, you know, oh, you know, I need this done right now. Like it's an emergency. And, you know, and it's not an emergency. It's actually just, you know, you just need to chill and relax. So that sometimes that strength that we call strength is actually anxiety. And, you know, it has to be put in check, you know, in order for people to be at ease. I just that's just what I think. Yep. I agree with that 100% because it's, it reminds me of this analogy that I've heard a few times in my life where it's like a dog that's wounded will go and bite you. That doesn't necessarily <laughs> yeah. mean the dog is strong. It's just the dog is 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 That's a knee-jerk reaction. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, one of the things that I always find fascinating about this is that, you know, the dynamics between males and females, especially now that women are sort of given this ascendancy where they're supposed to take up space, they're supposed to yeah. fill the room, they're supposed to have the brightest and largest voice, and mm -hmm. men are supposed to sit down and be quiet and listen because, you know, we were on top for so long. Right. Well, that tends to coincide with higher rates of depression and unhappiness amongst women. And mm -hmm. men, at the same token, are also becoming wildly depressed and unhappy. It's almost like there was a dynamic in place that God put there and we're all ignoring it. And now we're all ignoring it to our detriment. Um, I'm not saying that men need to tune women out or to speak over them, but men need to have that authority. And I think that one of the reasons that feminism has grown and the reason that your mother said the things that she said to you with such a confirmed conviction when you were growing up was not only from her own pain and experience, but because those things were embedded in the culture. Mm -hmm. um, this idea that women are supposed to be feminists, I think became a thing because men abdicated the territory. We abdicated our responsibility. We were supposed to be up manning the wall and we fell asleep on duty. Mm -hmm. um, too many men left too many women, they impregnated too many women and treated them like playthings. And then you had an entire culture of people thinking that men were trash and we don't really have a good counter argument. So then we react, we react how um, she was saying, Yeah, which is interesting. They react in a way that necessitates strength, survival. It's if you're not going to do it, then I'm going to step in and fill the void. Mm -hmm. But yeah. if you don't mind me cutting in here, you know, it's, it's also fear, you know, because women, you know, we tend to, if you want to get into like anthropology or things like that, you know, women tend to be driven by that, that need for security, that need for safety, you know, that's why we seek out, you know, strong, the strongest men. And so we go straight there, you know, we want the man that's going to be reliable, we want the man that's going to, you know, have it all together. And if he's not doing it, you know, that's when that anxiety kicks in and we're like, you know, you know, barking at him, like, da -da -da -da, you know, and you know, we just we just blow up because we, you know, we haven't and I almost feel like, you know, sometimes it's also a lack of awareness, a lack of awareness of your significant other where you're not paying attention to the things he has done, the way things that he has, things that he's accomplished to demonstrate that strength that you need, you know, that he's been strong in so many different areas and that he also that he's human. You know, that, you know, he has that, there's that humility factor there that, you know, he could fail, you know, at any point and that, you know, you have to, you know, really check in and make sure that you're still loyal, you know, to the fact that he is a human, you're a human too. And, you know, he may disappoint you just like you may disappoint him. Mm -hmm. And that, and the video actually gets into that later, but I'm going to keep playing some more of it in one second. Is that it? So why do we need to build up men? Besides being the right thing to do and because we love them, we need to build them up because we are at war and we need our strong men to fight for us. Strong men make strong families and strong families make strong societies. Comments on that. <laughs> oh my gosh, you know, I, 
you know, and I'm, about, I'm almost about to get into um, another topic, but I'll save that for maybe the next clip. But um, it's it's baffling to me, you know, how many women are, you know, really involved in the community, but are not, they're just misaligned with their own household values. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of them say, you know, I'm going to get in the community and do this because men won't step up and do it. And, you know, then they're disappointed at the way things, you know, turn out. And it's like, you know, well, you know, I, I've seen it in my own community where there'll be a lot of feminists that'll be like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And then nothing changes. Or matter of fact, sometimes things get worse yeah. and they don't understand why. And it's like, you know, people think I'm being like sexist when I say that. It's like, you know, I'm trying to put women down and I'm not putting women down. It's just that there are just some roles that are better equipped for men to take, you know, charge of. They mm-hmm. understand those things, some certain concepts better. Like, like, for example, farming and agriculture is big in the area that I live in Tennessee. And, you know, a lot of women that come into office or getting to these positions don't really, some of them have some knowledge about it, but they really it's their husbands and their fathers and their uncles that really know that infrastructure, if you mm-hmm. want to call it that. So they understand that better than the women do understand that. But it seems like women want to take up space in areas that they haven't really you know, they're not practiced in, you know, so I think, you know, we do have to be taking up space or having a seat at the table or breaking the glass ceiling also comes with having the insight, the knowledge, the experience. And, you know, Mm -hmm. so far, you know, we're, how, how long are we going to wait until women can catch up to men to have that knowledge and experience and, you know, to get there, we're going to be waiting until, you know, the next lifetime, you know, before women actually get to the point where men are. Well, do you do you believe um, and I haven't asked you this question, but do you believe that there is a role that men and women play or is it merely just who's the most competent? Well, I, I think it just happens naturally. You know, it's not, you know, that we're playing the role. It just happens to us. We were the role is playing us, you know, so, you know, we, we like to be resistant to it and try our hardest to play another role. Like maybe the man is like, I want to be the housekeeper and wash the dishes. But then slowly and surely he starts house husband right house husband but then you know you know innately so he slowly but surely gravitates and i've seen this with some friends relationships some some relationships that people have come to me and you know messaged about i've seen couples really like re-gravitate towards their natural inclinations you know it just it, it it almost always happens you know they meet that resistance and then eventually they just start going back to falling back in place. It's, it's happened. I've seen family members go through it. You know, it's just, it, it's it's going to happen. You know, the role plays us. We don't play the role. It's almost as if we were created by like someone much more intelligent. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. Oh, I absolutely, <laughs> absolutely believe that. Whoever, whoever it was that designed us, you know, um, yeah. God being the designer, yes. you know, was, was intelligent enough to understand that we need that, you know, that balance. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's exactly. not, this is not by mistake. Being a woman is not a mistake. Having feminine, you know, inclinations is not a mistake. And men being masculine, that's not a mistake either. Thank it's, you. A, it's there for a reason. Thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. Uh, let's go to the next clip. About a month ago, I was in a meeting with both Christian men and women, and a female friend of mine took the initiative at the end of the meeting to pray over the group. And while she was praying, I was sitting there and I felt like God was doing this. Just knocking on my heart with a message saying, do you see what I see? And I thought in that moment that a man should be the one praying over the meeting. And there were plenty of men there that would have been willing to do that, but it's women like my friend, women like me, 
women in general who often jump in to get things done because we can. But the question is, should we? Because in that moment, and in many moments when we step up to take the lead, we're training men that they don't have to step up. It's in those little moments that seem insignificant that the leadership role of men and their everyday opportunities to sharpen their masculine skills are taken away by us. And so on that day, I made a choice that when I'm in the presence of men, that I allow them every opportunity to take the lead. That means that I don't volunteer to lead the group in prayer, that I don't volunteer to lead projects. And that doesn't mean that I can't, and that doesn't mean that I'm not able, but it just means that I'm making the conscious decision to allow men, especially my husband, every opportunity to grow stronger. Because the times that we're in require bold and brave leaders, and that's what men were designed to be. So let me just tell a quick story from this. Um, when I was in my early 20s, I was a part of a campus ministry, and, um, and I was doing a lot. Like, I had the energy of a squirrel, <laughs> and I was just, like, trying to build up the, like, worship stuff and the prayer stuff and all the, like, fun activities and the different um, events that we would have and the raffle and all kinds of stuff. And first of all, we grew by a full one person. And that person is still, I call that a success because that person got saved and is still. <laughs> it's all that matters. You got one. <laughs> I got one. The Lord is satisfied. But the thing is, it was like me and a bunch of other guys that were the ones doing it. Now, and I said it at the time, so I'm not talking about them. If they're watching this, they already know it. I said, I told them how lazy they were. <laughs> I was like, they don't do anything. <laughs> I was so mad. At Imagine one, a woman nagging you about being lazy. At one point, I was talking to my brother, and I just cried. I broke down crying, and he was like, "Why are you crying?" Because we were we, we were talking about the Bible study and the the ministry we were trying to build. And I said, "I don't know. I just feel heavy. I'm just carrying so much." He was like, "That's because you're carrying." And my brother at the time was probably 19, and he even he understood this. And for some reason, it went right over my head. But it was like he was like, "You're carrying things that you are not made to carry." And it still took me a few years to understand that men are made to carry things and that's okay and I don't have to do it no matter how capable or strong or whatever that I think I am. Yeah, we really, we really have been, I wouldn't say brainwashed, but certainly conditioned, at least as millennials. And I know it's happened for several generations prior to that because I listened to my mother talk about the feminist movement and how it was all up in her face growing up. Mm -hmm. And uh, my dad used to make jokes about her, you know, Gloria already used to call her. Um, I don't know how many of you people are old enough to get that reference, but mm -hmm. you know, she, she said that she was a rabid feminist and my father verified this statement until she had her first child. And then she said mm -hmm. something switched. Uh, she, she said she experienced a sort of maternal empathy that she hadn't had before, mm. a sort of kind of a uh, bond with another human being. And also it put into, uh, it challenged all of her preconceptions about what femininity was, what her role in the world in America was, uh, what her value was. She said that when she finally had a successful uh, birth, because there were, there were two children that were aborted prior mm. to me being born yeah. as the firstborn, uh, she said that it, it framed everything differently. And I feel like this is the very common experience for most women is that they kind of go through this tumultuous period in their 20s, maybe into their 30s, where they're trying to live up to society standards and it inevitably fails them. And then they have a return to kind of, they, they kind of like a come to Jesus, literally or, you know, 
in many other terms, but they finally find a place where they can just be themselves the way they were designed to be, and they can finally be happy, regardless of the nice cars or the promotions or all the perks and the travel and all the adventures that they might have had and all the good-looking men they might have been able to sleep with. They, they finally reach a point where they're like, wow, I'm actually living up to my true potential here. You have anything to offer on that? Well, you know, it, it kind of comes back to the whole fear factor. You know, I feel like we grow up with that. You know, I experienced that, of course, where, you know, it's not just about doing the right thing. It's like, you know, the fear of failure. And so, you know, you're sold life in a box, TM. You know, when you're a little kid, you know, you're like, you know, you have to go to college. You have to do this. You have to do that because, you know, it's ongoing, you know, fear, 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 fear. And it's sad because, you know, it's almost, I don't almost want to say it was traumatizing you know to grow up and i mean you have all of these adults in your life you know who may be influenced by feminism who may be influenced by you know these these other ideologies you know that are telling you because they don't know any better you know they they think you know okay you know this is your saving grace you have to go to college you have to get this job you have to do this or whatnot and you know and that was me you know i wasn't living my own life i was living under the threat of failure so you know, and I mean, I feel like a lot of our generation, a lot of us millennials, you know, Gen Xers, I feel like pretty much Gen X forward, you know, we all just were under that threat. And so, you know, and women, you know, are like that, you know, and then when they, like you, like you were saying, you're describing how, you know, you have that first child. I don't have children, but I watched it happen to my sister mm-hmm. who has three beautiful children. And with each child, she became less and less feminist. And now she's already like, I'm, I'm considering coming home. And, you know, and this is after, you know, maybe, you know, 20 years in the workforce and everything is like, you know what, it's, it's time to come home and be with my kids and be involved and, you know, and that she wasn't involved, but, you know, she wanted to heighten that involvement even further. Just watching her progress, you know, was really inspiring to me. And, you know, that we, that, that we don't have to be like this forever. Like, you know, you're not doomed to, you know, working that nine to five, you're not doomed to a certain lifestyle. Um, you're not doomed to feminism, you know, you can't come out of it. Now, to, just to clarify for the audience, because I know we're going to get some naysayers on you know, both yeah. sides of this argument, mm-hmm. but um, <clears throat> do you believe that it is uh, something that women should do, that they should strike out and achieve as much independence and education as possible before finding a husband and settling down? Or do you think that that is unnecessary? Uh, what would you advocate, for instance, if you had your own daughter and they asked you this question? You know, that's a that's a great question because I'm conflicted about it because, you know, it almost feels like having that experience made me more grateful for being where I am right now and understanding, you know what, you know, I went through all of that just to come here and say, you know what, this is what I want. You know, you actually come to the decision yourself versus being that person that's still indoctrinated and being told how you live your life. I just wouldn't like for if I had a daughter to come to that conclusion organically. But if I had to choose one, I'd be like, you know, you know, try to try to marry young, you know, try to, you know, form your life younger. And then that in that, you know, having a kid or having a family is not a, um, you know, death sentence, if you will. It's not the end of your life. And a lot of parents, a lot of feminist parents, a lot of feminist moms like to sell that lie to their daughters. And I don't you know that, that I do not advocate for. I will never tell my daughter you know, that, you know, once you have a child, your life is over. That's the biggest lie that feminism could sell. The other thing, too, is that you have to factor in is there are less and less, um, what am I trying to say? There, 
it's getting more and more difficult to find a good man and not good like he's perfect but someone who has good character that fears somebody higher than himself that isn't a douchebag that isn't going to potentially cheat on you because he just can't keep it in his pants like that type of man is getting harder and harder to find and so then it's like well daughter do you just stay home till you're 28 and finally find that guy on hinge or do you actually go work so the culture plays into it too and what's happening um on outside of the home and the culture is making people less less and less marriageable marriable i mean i think the right. two i think the two things are uh, uh, intertwined mm-hmm. i think that the rise of feminism has subsequently caused a lot of women to raise their children to believe in the feminist ideals and you know i mean obviously they're not all going to produce girls you know they're going to produce something like slightly less than half of people childbearing are going to produce men and so what are these single women going to do or these feminists you know these gloria allred types like my mother before she had her transformation they're going to teach their men to live in a world that is advantageous to a feminist. Mm-hmm. And that means sitting down, shutting up, stepping out of the way, being more feminine, being more in touch with your feelings, and guess what happens? Those boys do exactly what they're taught, and then all the women find them less attractive. Yep. They're no longer interested. All of my they find them friends weak. are running into They that. find them ineffectual. They yep. find them sexually promiscuous and annoying. Mm-hmm. They find them incapable of handling basic things like painting the garage mm-hmm. when they're supposed to. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, whose fault is it? The, the problem is it's everyone's fault. Mm-hmm. The men abdicated their responsibility in the first place, I believe, which is what caused the women to become feminists out of necessity and fear. And now the women are raising the boys to become feminists, which is causing them to just repeat the cycle. Mm-hmm. And I also think that worsens the cycle is not enough pushback from women. You know, like when you, I have I have single friends who entertain men who don't live up to the standards like you know that they that they want you know they say they want a strong alpha and things like that but then they'll entertain the guy who you know may be good in bed or you know takes her out to dinner but treats her like crap or doesn't have his life together or what have you and it's like you know the more we keep giving away the cookie to these men who aren't really you know really the true alphas or alphas in disguise or betas really you know when we keep doing that we're rewarding that behavior you know just like you would with a child or a a pet or anything you know like you know you keep rewarding that behavior by giving it to them getting weak i feel like there's a certain amount of strength you know people say that i'm trying to advocate for women to be weak i'm not advocating for weakness for women what i want for women is to have the strength to say no to things that don't uh, or are not conducive to a healthy society. And so that starts with, and when you're dating, you know, people are surprised when I tell them that dating is like the gateway to society. You know, if you are dating ineffectually, if you're meeting the wrong people, you're in the wrong circles and you're not saying no to, you know, this promiscuous behavior, to beta behavior, you know, you're just going to um, advocate more of the same. But when that woman actually says no, you know, no, this is not okay. No, I won't go to bed with you. No, you're going to have to move out of your mom's house before we actually start a relationship. You know, then, you know, he, that may be the, you may be the first woman that actually tells him that. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh my gosh, you know, my mom didn't say it. My dad didn't say it. No one told me this. And now I'm getting it. Oh my gosh. You know, that's why I, I, I can't get the girl. And then things start changing for him. Right. Even if that relationship doesn't work out, 
it will still plant the seed for for him to be better than he is. I agree. Steve Harvey even talks about that a lot too. So I mean, if Steve Harvey understands it, good lord, we should too. <laughs> All right, we got four more clips. So I'm going to go to the next one. Yeah. God set up our roles as males and females to work together perfectly and complement one another. We each have our strengths and also our weaknesses. But here's the thing. The pedestal of leadership is very small and only fits one person at a time. That position was given to men. So if ladies, you have put yourself on that pedestal because you think you can lead your family better, because you think you discipline your kids in the best way, because you're more well-spoken, oh, not yet. because your husband lacks some skill, it's time to step off that platform so he can get on it. So I, I think fighting with the other sex um, keeps us out of the the real fight that we should be having, which yes. is with the culture. Like if we're always competing, if women are competing with men and vice versa, then we're out of the, the culture fight. We're fighting for... Um, obviously we're conservative so we're trying to conserve traditional values we're trying to get hollywood in check get big tech in check get the elites in dc in check but we're too busy like fighting with our boyfriend or fighting with our husband or fighting with our brother or our father i think that takes us our eyes off of the real fight and and that's how all of this evil occurs not the only way but one of the ways that all of this evil is able to occur around us Absolutely. You know, it's just like we miss the big picture when we argue, you know, it's like we, we focus so much on feeling right in our own convictions than we do actually creating harmony within our family and, you know, our friends. And that can go beyond marriage. That can be, you know, in the workforce. It can be, you know, with family members, it can be with raising kids. It's just, you know, we, we focus so much on satisfying our ego and just being like, you know what, I'm right, or I've, you know, proven this correct, or I am breaking the glass ceiling, or whatever concept that we're trying to achieve, you know, and we forget about the fact that, yes, we're individuals, but we are, a, we're social beings, we, we exist in a society, and, you know, you may be right, but you may be on that island by yourself alone, you know, correct, in all your correctness. Agreed. You know, it's interesting. Um, my mom and I had a discussion once when I was, I think I was like 10 or 11. And uh, we were talking about my dad, you know, behind his back, which we often did when we had issues. Yeah. You know, like a couple of women, we would and undermine his authority and gossip. And, you know, the poor guy's off saving fire, you know, putting out fires and saving lives. He was a fireman in Los Angeles. And here we are at home in our happy little nest, and we're just thinking, like, ugh. Uh, that man getting in our way, messing with our little equilibrium. But anyway, um, so, you know, we were a gossiping. And one of the things that we pointed out was my, you know, his neuroticism, his tendency towards order and all these other things that he was fussing about. And we would get into these discussions. And then I realized later in life, I was like, you know, this is this is that poison. This is that um, this is that problem. We may have a cohesion right here that feels really good, where we feel like we have camaraderie, but what ends up happening is, is it undermines the authority of the household. Mm -hmm. And it does so for no practical purpose whatsoever other than self-satisfaction. Right. And I see this really frequently. Um, and, and the dynamic can change. It could, be, it could be the father and the son doing it against the mother, or it could be you know siblings against the parents. But it always struck me that it was odd that people will put their best foot forward to strangers that they don't care about, 
but then they'll take all of their grief and all of their stress and all of their hormones and all of their other problems and take it out on the people that trust them the most that won't be. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, that's an amazing point, yeah. And so it was very important to me that when I got married someday, if I was just lucky to find somebody like this woman, mm -hmm. I wanted to give her a home where I gave her the best of myself and I gave the world the leftovers. And, oh, to yeah. me, and to me, that was being a man. That was being a better man than I was when I was a child, when I was gossiping behind my father's back while he's out there risking his life to make money for us. Mm -hmm. It's such a wonderful shift in perspective. And, you know, and I'll even take that a step further and, you know, add in how you see women talk bad about their husbands in public. You see, you see that a lot. You see, right. you know, women doing this, like, I guess what you call sneak dissing on, on Facebook or other social media where they'll say something snide about their spouse or what have you, or they'll just go out to lunch with a friend just to sit and talk, you mm -hmm. know, dirt about, you know, their relationship, what's going on, you know, behind closed doors. And it's like, you know, I, I see too many women who are too ready to share that type of information instead of going directly to the source. It's like, once you start taking that outside of your household, you take away the power from your husband to make things better and make things right. You got to be partners, I guess. Like, I have never been married. And then I, I obviously never got to see a marriage play out. But just watching marriages in my in my family, hearing from people, in my family, in my church family, hearing from people like you, it just seems like the marriage, the married couples, they've got to be, like, ride or die. I know people say that, like, this is my ride or die, and it's like their side chick or something. But, like, for a real ride or die, you know, like, like, there's a story. I'll tell it really quick. There was this mass shooting. And this woman, she always goes before Congress and she, she speaks on behalf of like the pro 2A people. And she, she was living in Texas. She wasn't able to carry her gun in her purse because of some stupid law. And there was a mass shooting and her mom and dad were in there. Well, dad tries to save the day. He gets shot and killed. And she's like, mom, come on, let's run. And she saw a, a way they could get out through a window or something like that. She gets to the window, turns around, thinks her mom is there. Her mom is cradling her husband she just couldn't live without him. And she's cradling him, she looks up, the mass shooter shoots her in the head. She just, it was like, she couldn't even leave his dead body there and save herself. And I'm like, I was like, that couple loved each other. That That's real love. And I think when we think about biblical love, that mom and even that dad for all of those people that were in there, there were strangers that he tried to save. Like they, ha I don't know if they're Christians and I don't, I don't know anything like that, but of, of their background. But they at least at that moment portrayed what God says marriage should be. And like the woman submits, the man loves the wife as as Jesus loves the church. Like I think, I mean, that's super dramatic. Granted, I understand. But even what you were just saying on a day-to-day -day basis, things like that, that we could keep ourselves and our, and our, our uh, humanity from, from doing to the person we love, like that is... That is what we were, we are called to do. That yes. is the mandate. That is the the standard right there, right. and that's that's hard. But it's it's, it's got to be a work in progress, I'm sure. Right. It's the height of our being to be honest with one another, be transparent, yeah. because I feel like that transparency is missing. We can't improve. You know. I mean, I'll say say I'm washing the dishes improperly or something like that. You know, and you know there's specs and how stuff all over everything. Yeah, I know how, how dare I get back in know? the kitchen, woman. Or, or right. <laughs> so like you know, I say I'm doing something wrong over and over and over again. You know, until one day you know, it just 
you know, bursts and he's like, I can't stand this. You know, I hate getting dirty dishes. It's like, you know, it would have just been. Look at this spoon, eh? Look at this <laughs> spoon. <laughs> There's water <laughs> spots. <laughs> and so just, just, just something as small as that, you know, just being honest. I mean, that's a great place to practice is just, just everyday thing. I remember when I came out of therapy, one of the things that I learned through behavioral, cognitive behavioral therapy was to learn how to say no and to take back your own power. And that actually helps empower others. So one exercise they gave me was to actually go to the store. You know how you go to the grocery store and you go through aisle and um, you're checking out and the person asks you, do you want to donate to so-and-so fun? And, um, you know, of course, I'm always the person that's like, okay, or no, I, I just don't have it. I'm sorry. You know what? You know, he, what, I, what my therapist suggested was like, no, instead of saying, making up this excuse, just say no. Just say no, because that's the honest truth. And so it's like, okay. So that, that right there, just putting that into practice actually really helps, you know, reclaim my power and do the same for others. I think so. Okay. Three more clips, guys. We can yes, do it. We're do it. <laughs> Ladies, we can do better. We must do better because decades of feminism and the normalization of dumbing down and demonizing men is destroying us. Preach, sister. Yes. Preach on, sister. See, if she had that growl. <laughs> it's too right. white, girl. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like she should have been like, Ladies. You know, like that. <laughs> Had to breathe in the mic, yeah. Yeah, like had the asthma attack like in the asthma attack. Yeah, like that sweat shake that's dripping and sliding. <laughs> oh that's my what gosh, I, that's what I would see. The curl juice coming down. The- yes, the curl juice slipping and sliding and slapping. are all messed up, but it doesn't matter because <laughs> you're in the moment. Right, right, right. Okay, I'll play the next one. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm saying that we need to set aside that fear of him failing and simply let him fail. And here's the kicker, without condemnation. And when he fails, and he will because he's not perfect, and nor are you, we encourage them to try again instead of criticizing them, especially in front of other people. Trust me, ladies, I think I could have avoided 90% of the arguments I've had with my husband if I would have kept silent and not corrected him in front of others. Women are notorious for being controlling, and controlling behaviors come from fear. Mm -hmm. So ladies, what are you afraid of when it comes to stepping off that pedestal of leadership? What are you afraid will happen if you allow the men in your life to take the lead on the little and big things? Isn't building up your man to be the warrior God made him to be worth letting go of those fears that are, for the most part, either irrational or not even important? Can you imagine a world where men were so emboldened and encouraged by their women to show up and fight that us women didn't ever have to go make speeches at school board meetings or protest mandatory vaccinations or deal with a bully neighbor down the street? That men would just automatically take care of business with their strength and authority? That would be hot. Mm. And that's the way it's supposed to be. But we just hijacked their job. Now, when me and Scott are out eating, I like Mm -hmm. when he's the one that says... Hey, this food is terrible. Take it back. I'm like, mm, get it. <laughs> I don't have to say. It. You know, it's oh not it's not riding off or slaying a dragon, but it's something, right? <laughs> oh my god, this is the best feeling in the world. You know, when he steps up and is like, this is incorrect, and it's like, ooh, my goodness. You know, you know what's funny to me though is that my entire life I was under this sort of spell, this preconceived notion that that combative boisterous aggressive male behavior was not appropriate that's because you went to college 
No, it's because I grew up in liberal Southern California with with a lot of liberals. Mm -hmm. The culture yeah. was the boys need to make themselves as small and polite and unobtrusive as possible, mm -hmm. mostly quiet, and they were supposed to do what they were told and not raise a fuss and not break things and not run around and make big noises. But then as soon as the women come to, you know, child rearing years and they start looking at boys a little differently, they start expecting us to slay dragons and we're over here like hugging teddy bears like, but this is what you wanted us to do. <laughs> and now they don't want us and now we're very confused and then we become incels and we shoot up schools. So which one do you want, ladies? Good Lord. You know, that male aggression has to go somewhere. And this is one of the things that it took me a long time to embrace. You know, I come from a, nay, I come from a failed marriage. Um, and that marriage failed large in part because of me. And it was because I had imbibed too many of these cultural messages and I had subconsciously altered myself to become the man that I thought society wanted instead of the man that I knew I was born to be. Which is why <laughs> after my divorce, I think my aggression and testosterone like quadrupled is because I think I caught on to something that God was trying to tell me, which was you were born to slay dragons, not to be someone else's little bee. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. That's uh, so true. You know, and, and why would we want to slay our own dragons? You know, like, I mean, you know, it's, it just feels so much better being on this side where you don't have to do it. And it's not just to be like, Oh, you know, I'm going to be lazy and just, you know, be exactly. the queen of the world or whatever. But you know, he, it, 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 things seem to get done more efficiently. Yeah. when you allow him to do it you know and i honestly like it's it i've seen it play out in my own marriage i've seen it play i've seen it in other marriages where it's just like you know if i want to cut the grass it's going to take all day to get it done mm -hmm. but if he <laughs> does it yep if he does it i have it's cranked gonna be, this thing 16 times <laughs> and then you know oh, i have to go i have to go get some more iced tea like you know like it's just you know, we're just wired differently. Like, yes. what's that saying now? We're built different. You know, like, it's just, we're just made, we're just made differently. And it's okay. It's okay yes. to not want to do those things. And, you know, it's, it's kind of tiring because women will shame other women for, you know, not wanting to do the masculine thing. You know, and it's just like a, it's the new peer pressure. It's like, you know, you're, you're too feminine. You know, you're a pick me. And it's like, no, honestly, we all don't want to do any of those things. None of us want to. I, there's this uh, young girl I know, and she's talking to my brother. My brother's kind of a bigger guy. Yeah. And <laughs> not fat, just like kind of solid. He's got some muscles. Husky. Square. Well, he's husky now. He didn't used to be. <laughs> he, ha he has muscles with fat outside the muscles. So he Don't say that. Muscle, Only I could say that. But... <laughs> Ooh, you're in trouble. Nope. And this girl uh, that we know. Um, she does CrossFit, and so she like uh -huh. does those deadlift things and stuff like that. And yeah. she looked at my brother and was like, "Yeah, I can lift more than you." And he he doesn't work out, and he was like, "Honey, no, you can't." She's like, "No, I really can't. I can't." She swears that she can lift more than him, and like that is like a trophy for her. And he's like, "Honey, I have man strength. No amount of your woman's strength can match my man's strength. Right. I don't. I cannot work out for five years. You could work out for every day of all those five years and I would still lift more than you. Right. And she just, it just doesn't, it hasn't gotten in her mind, but she's also very young. She's in her like really, really early twenties. Mm -hmm. So it's like something that, I think it's a cultural thing because even I used to feel that way. Like, oh, I can do it. I can do it. And now I'm like, mm, I ain't got to do it. Let him do it. He you know, likes it. <laughs> you, you grew up watching something like Xena Warrior Princess. Oh, my God. Ooh, I and, loved and I loved it. it. Yeah, <laughs> and, and Z loves it. I She's a huge fan. Oh, She's been making me rewatch it, even though I saw it as a kid yeah. here and there. But, you know, 
you, you watch that stuff and as a boy you watch it and you go like, oh man, I want to date a girl like that someday because she seems like she'd be a lot of fun. She'd be really cool, but you know, she'd still be a woman and she'd still be kind of hot. Right. But women watch that stuff and they say, oh, I can be just as badass as the boys. Yeah. And like a mind virus worms its way into your head that's telling you something that's not true. Here's the thing. You can be amazing in so many ways and you are designed to be amazing in so many ways that we can never be. You can produce children out of your bodies. It's a superpower. We can't do that, you know? But but women feeling like they need to be able to do like flippy kicks and like knock dudes off buildings and cut dudes heads off and stuff like that. There's a reason we kept you out of warfare for so many eons. And you know, what's crazy about that is, you know, it's a different type of strength. You know, it's, it's really vanity versus utilitarianism. Like, you know, you know, women do it because, you know, someone on TV did it and, you know, they saw this beautiful babe with all these muscles and such. And all of a sudden now every, every woman is at the Y working out, you know, but for men, it's, I am strong because I have to be, because if yes. I'm not strong, you know, my family can't survive. It's it's just genetically encoded in us to be that way. And, you know, women wanting to get over that will never, never, never overcome it. Mm-hmm. I agree. Just you know, I honestly, honestly believe women can have a great deal of versatility. You can run a household, you can take care of children, you can yeah. help us manage emotion and time and all these other things that we terrible at like dates and names why are they so elusive but at the same time you can also be able to protect yourself but you have to understand that there are biological differences Mm -hmm. like growing up with feminism and hollywood has taught you that you can kick a guy my size who's six foot three and over 200 pounds and i'm just going to go flying physics doesn't work that way no you you try to kick me like that i'm going to grunt grab you by the leg and flip you over onto your face effortlessly even if i'm a fat cheeto eating slob because that's how physics works (laughs) but nobody but nobody seems to want to embrace this reality and, and it's astonishing to me. I remember when I realized my brother could throw me across the room and it scared the crap out of me. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm so small. Zena I lied. Because all of us right. kids used to be the same size. And I used to beat up all the boys. And we used to fight. And I used to just, I'll beat the crap out of them. <laughs> and then they just went, shroom. And I was like, all right, I guess I'm done here. <laughs> I was smart. Right, right. She was the bully till puberty hit. <laughs> okay, let's play the last clip so that she can go and live her life and not talk to us for 10 years. <laughs> oh no, I enjoy it. Oh good, I'm glad. All right. Fathers love their children just as much as mothers do and they wanna protect them even more so and they, are, they have an innate ingrained desire to do so. So ladies, let them lead your battles. Be watchful for stuff like this because the world will do whatever it takes to keep your husband's physical strength and authority out of the fight. Again, men were built for that job and when women take it over, they get drained very easily. I'll share this with you personally. I get very wary very often fighting for our freedom. And why? Because I am a female, I am a woman and I am not built to carry the burden of battle on my shoulders. That does not mean that I don't have skills to add to the fight. That just means that the bulk of the battle should be on the shoulders of men. And we need to let them have that role of warrior and protector. 
Ladies, when we take little moments to think about what we're doing and we fall into the roles that we are designed for, beautiful things happen in our relationships and our families. With tougher battles coming down the road, our men need us to let them be men. And that means giving them the gift of getting out of the way. It's not the soy. Seems like she's just reiterating what we were talking about. Yeah, honestly, at this point. honestly, yeah. We we in our conversation we said a lot of her points, so we stole them. <laughs> Involuntarily, though. I didn't seems... know that was going to happen. I apologize. But one thing I do want to say is that uh, when men are in their roles, they rise up, and when women are in their roles, we blossom. I think I think women miss that. Is that when men are doing the stuff like, hey, take this this disgusting pasta back, or they're carrying the heavy stuff or they're you know doing the lawn and we don't want to do all that crap like we make we take things like we're incubators right we take things that men go out and work hard and give us and we we take a house we make a home we get a seed we, we give them a baby like that's what we're we blossom that way and that's what we're meant to do and men when we're out of their way they become more macho they become more of a, a go out and kill and bring home the crap that you're going to cook, you know? So I I think that gets missed is we're supposed to work in tandem together and not against each other. Right. Well, I wish that, you know, society via mainstream media would stop putting women's um, gifts down, you know, and stop, you know, and actually play them up some more, you know, like, I'll tell you, there was one, this was before we got married, but uh, it was one time where I, I was preparing a meal and um, my husband goes into, well, then my um, fiance goes into the fridge and um, he reaches for some lemon juice and, just, and decides to pour it into a glass. Now, I'm looking at him do this and, you know, I'm not, you know, being like, you know, of course, you know, you know, all over him, like, you know, trying to tell him he's wrong or anything like that, because obviously if you drink lemon juice, you know, you will burn your esophagus. But, you know, I, he, he pours this into a glass. And I look at him and I'm just like, I'm like, what are you doing, honey? And he's like, I'm a making, I'm drinking some orange or lemon juice. And I'm like, you do know that lemon juice is acidic and will burn your esophagus. And he was like, really? And I was like, yeah. He was like, well, I was thinking, you know, like orange juice, you know, orange, Hold lemon on. juice. Is it, is it lemon. Your, isn't your husband like a prominent like speaker? <laughs> Hey, yes, and so I was Logan. By doing this, I saved his career. I like to credit yes. myself to that. Because, <laughs> you know, had I had it's I been not a really rough my, episode. Had I not used my female input, you know, intuition, you know, and my knowledge of culinary science to, to stop him. So there's an appropriate place for that. That's, that's yes. all I mean to say. There's an appropriate place, you know, where we know, you know, we do need to jump in and, you know, actually help, be be helpful to him. You know, it was just, I'll never forget that. But that was just like, you know, a that's perfect funny. example of how that happens. That's funny. Anthony, I'm so sorry. We're talking about you behind <laughs> your back, man. You know, sometimes dirty laundry comes out, brother. Put some sugar in it. It softens the blow. That's where lemonade like a comes lot from. of water. Yeah. <laughs> It's the same signing out. Nay, any <laughs> other closing words? That's those are all the clips I have for you. But is I'll say this: Is there anything you want to say to women who are watching, or even men, if you have a a word to them, <laughs> um, like final words of advice or anything like that? 
Well, I'd like to say, well, first, thank you for having me on. This has been fantastic. Great way to spend an, an evening talking with both of you. You two are just too fun. But um, but also just if I could share one thing is that, you know, service and using our gifts, our talents is the height of our being, is the height of who we are and as human beings, as God's creation. And I just would love for women and men to embrace themselves, to embrace who they naturally are yeah. um, and stop playing it down. And, you know, you know, look at our grandparents, look at our great grandparents and see their accomplishments. Look back, you know, look back at your heritage, you know, look at a family album once in a while and actually look at where you come from. And, you know, that way you can see the future and where you can hope to be. I agree 100%. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate oh, thank it. Thank you for having me. You guys are just guests ever. Yeah. Oh, that was really oh, yeah. delightful. Thank you so much for putting up with us and <laughs> thank you. Time with us on the show. Oh, you guys are the greatest. Have a Bye. good night. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Okay. Bye. Excellent. That was good. I'm glad we had her on. That was actually really good. Yeah. yeah. You know, I know it kind of messed with my show map and everything, but I'm glad it did. I think it worked out. I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't be sorry. It was good. So I was clicking around and I was like, whoops. <laughs> you know, we have all kinds of segments planned for you folks, but I think that that conversation was probably more important than, uh, you know, racial retort. So we'll put that one on to the side burner for next week, as well as my use of force segment. And mm -hmm. Z basically spent a good hour there kind of having a ladies listen. But since the theme of this show was uh, very clickbaity, we wanted to just kind of reiterate what it was that we were trying to accomplish with this episode and why we brought Nay Logan on to discuss what we discussed. And I'm going to let Z close this one out for us. Okay, ladies. It was clickbaity. <laughs> She's had chemo recently. Forgive her. It was clickbaity, <laughs> sure. But also... I meant what I said. We did it get out of the freaking way. <laughs> I think when we're in men's way, we make them like us. When women become the leaders, guess what the people under them are gonna become? More like women. Now, there's a lady named Camille Paglia, and she is a professor, I think in Pennsylvania, and she's a lesbian. She's, she's not a Christian at all. She's not a, a, a right-winger at all. Um, and she was in Europe, I believe, and she was talking about the transgender movement. and um, But I think it was interesting because she was talking about the how art and history has changed in, in these different civilizations. So you got like the Romans and the Greeks. And at first, in the, the first parts of the civilization, the art for the men were like robust and they had pecs and abs and biceps and stuff. And as the civilization aged, the men and art became more like wet noodles and more feminized. During that time is when you had someone like the Huns come into the civilization and overtake uh, that empire, and then they'd be they'd be done, and that would be the end of that that era um, in our in our perspective. Um, and that really concerns me, not just about the transgender part, but more so about the feminization of the men. When we don't have that front line, <coughs> when we don't have that front line. <laughs> standing strong and and they're they're watchmen at the on the wall and they're at the gate anything can come in women are just not built to do that now there are a lot of things that women are built to do that men just simply cannot do scott named a few of those things earlier but we have to understand that there's a reason why men have always fought wars there's a there's a reason why men have always been the ones that lay down their life 
every man knows it, every man that's taught by a, a man who embraces his masculinity knows that they have to be ready at all times to give their life for the women and children around them whether they're related to them whether they're married to them it doesn't matter if if Scott and I are in us in, in in public Scott knows that he has the skills and the know-how that if something goes down he will put his life on the line I actually had a dream that you did You've had several dreams where mm-hmm. something violence happened to us. And I'm like, oh, God. And because I know you would. In, my, in the back of my mind, I know that you would put your life on the line for other people, even whether you know them or not. And so my encouragement to women is if you have fears, insecurities, and this is to myself as well. I get, I get scared about a lot of things in my relationship with Scott. And I have to realize that I'm reacting out of fear and not out of um, trust. And so I realize that there's some men out there that suck. I've got a dad that's not in my life. I've had ex-boyfriends that have hurt me so deeply. And that makes it hard to trust. I've got father figures that have that have hurt me. But we have to fight to to keep ourselves pure at heart in that manner for the sake of the culture and for the sake of the country. And that is my ladies listen. And that's a fantastic way to close the show. Thank you so much for tuning in to our second season, our second episode yep. of Two Americas. Listen, folks, there's two Americas out there. One's black, one's white. One's left, one's right. One's Christian, one's atheistic. One's insane, and one's just trying to get by. Mm-hmm. The question is, where do you fall on the other side of that line? Think about it. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will see you all next week, 9 p.m. Wednesday. Don't miss it. Oh, check out theurbanconservative.com the or tuconservative.com for more information and behind the paywall content. Thank you. See you next time. Yay.